If you turn in your Bibles to Isaiah 52, verse 12, I love that word Pastor Adam said, just letting God love us. Uh, Just letting God love us. My pastor wrote a book back in the day called Just Let God Love You. Simple, simple, powerful book. And it's been the most printed and the most asked for booklet in our church. And I remember um, when we lived in Ukraine, um, we got we got contact. People would find out about our church. I don't know how they would find out because in those days, the Internet wasn't up or anything like that. We got a phone call from a lady in the in Crimea, and she said, "You know, I got a, I got a hold of this booklet in Russian called Just Let God Love You, and I'd like to have a team come down and visit me." Um, she said, "I'm, uh, God has healed me from depression. I was, I was in such se- severe depression. I would sit in my house for days and days and days, and people would have to bring me food, and the and the the, the shades were down, and I just couldn't get outside. I just couldn't get out of my bed and." And I was just literally starting to die physically. And, and somehow I got a hold of this booklet. And just, the book was just about just letting God love you in simplicity. And it's just, it's, it's beauty about the love of God. And she said, I read it 36 times. <laughs> I read it over. It's a little book. I read it over and over and over every day for like a whole month. And she goes, God healed me from depression. God got me out of this because I got to discover the nature and the characteristic of God. And so we went down there. And I don't know what she looked like when she was depressed. But she was so outgoing. She was like so like outgoing and social and just bubbly and full of energy. And we're like, my gosh, the love of God can just change a person's life. And it can cause hope. It can cause hope. And I just want to talk about hope for a couple minutes as we look at this new year. Isaiah 52, verse 12. And New Year's Eve, um, we looked at this verse. I'm not going to preach on it, but I just want to look at this to start off the message. For you shall not go out in haste. And you shall not go in flight. For Yahweh is going before you, and your rear guard is the God of Israel. It's saying three things here. Number one, um, because the Lord goes before you. The Lord has lived out 2022 already. He's already been, he's been there, and he's finished 2022, and he's set it up for us. He's got appointments. He's got things for us. He's got blessings, he's got trials, he's got victories, he's got power, he's got amazing things all lined up for every day of 2022. He's been there. He's been there and he's done it. And every day we wake up, we just say, you know what, God, just surprise me by your grace. I just want to be graced out by this. Year. I want to be graced out. You know, I just want to be blessed. You know, every day is like, not like, oh my gosh, like, how am I going to make this day work? And you know, I know Anne's studying for, how am I going to get in that school? Or like, how am I going to do this? Or how am I going to get this done in my business? Or how am I going to push through this problem? And, you know, so God's been there. And everything's already set. And if God was to tell us everything all at once, I think we'd just explode. So God has to feed us little by little. He's got to give us little baby spoons of blessings. He's got to give us baby spoons of his thoughts. He's got to give us baby spoons, milk. And then, then he gets into meat with us, into the word of God. You know, for, for, for me, when I look at this year, I don't see all the things I got to do because that's the natural thing. I mean, that's the natural mind. I look at like God is going to surprise me in an amazing way. And we're going to and at the end of the year, my wife and I like to do this. We went out to dinner last night um, with Caleb. <laughs> and that's always fun. And we're just sitting there, you know, and um, we're just talking about what the Lord has done this year. And, you know, you, you, you forget until you intentionally begin to mention it. You know, just like, what did God do in your life? What did God do in your life? And we just talk about what God did. And it's just the end of the conversation. We're just like praising God. We're just saying, wow, this is amazing. This is like incredible. I can't even believe that this happened. 
And I think 2022 is going to be the same way. You know, you turn on the news, and it's just death, destruction, chaos, economic collapse, worlds falling apart, and it is. But I think with the people of God, remember when the people of God, the Israelites, were in Egypt, and the ten plagues were happening, and the plague of darkness, but there was always light on in the, in the, in the houses of God's people. There was always bread on the table. And, you know, I want us to understand that, like, during times of recession and hardship, it's going to be a blessing for God's people. Recession and all these things is always a time where God is speaking clearly to his people. And, you know, there's so we don't need to when we think about when we think about this year, God's already there. Like God has already been there. Things have set up. It's a finished work. It's a finished year. And all we have to do is just walk in faith. Amen. Michael. Michael's had a great year this year. You know. Mike, yeah, Mike Russo. I said your last name right. You know, like looking at the, looking at the future and just understanding, like, you know what? God has this. God has it. And we're going into year, in, in this new year with... And second thing that's being said in this verse is that God is behind us. He's before us and behind us at the same time. He's behind us. You know what that means? It means that when we turn around to look at our past and we're tempted to live in regret and sadness and sorrow and I should have done that differently, you know what we're going to see? We're going to see God. We're just going to see God. We're going to see God staring right at us. You know, we look forward, we see God. We look backwards, we see his redemption. You know, we, we look at the things that God has done. He's got our back. He's, he is good. And we can trust him. Because of those two things, Paul said, I press on that I would press on towards the mark of the high calling in God through Christ Jesus, forgetting those things that are behind me and pressing forward. And this is why we can press forward in hope is because we're in verse 12, it says in the beginning here, don't, don't panic. Don't panic. Don't let anything done, be done in your life out of, out of fear or dysfunctional motivation or like, am I good with God? Do I need to work harder for God? Or do I need to, you know, I think um, when we lived in Poland and Ukraine, it's a very Catholic society there. And, and when they came to Christ, for them to discover that it's like, you don't have to make things up with God. Like, you're good with God. The moment you wake up before your feet hit the ground, you and I are success stories in the grace of God. We are good. We are perfect in Christ. And that's how we need to live moment by moment. And this is what causes hope in our life. And I just want to talk about hope for a few minutes. And I was thinking about the hope of, 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 of the believer and our hope. And, and, and it was said like this. We are utterly, unavoidably, irreductibly hope-based creatures. And what we think about our future completely determines how we are experiencing our present. Is that true? What you, th- what you and I think about our future is how we're going to live this moment. If I'm worried about the church or my business or my family or my kids or something going on in my life about the future, it's going to mess up my, it's going to be messing up my present. Uh, for, I want to just say three things here this morning. Number one, I want to define hope. Number two, I want to just say, I want to look at hope as a person and not an outcome. And then number three, I want, to, I want to discuss what hope does for us in our day-to-day life. So Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, defines faith. And there's a difference between faith and hope. Do you ever think about that? What's the difference between faith and hope? Hebrews 11, verse 1, tells us that faith is a persuasion about the unseen, yet promised things in your life. You know, I think as a single person, I remember growing up in my biggest question I always was wondering as a teenager and as a single person is, what's God's will for my life? What does God want to do in my life? It's just a big question mark. And every time I thought about the next few months ahead of me, I just saw big question marks. 
yet there was in my heart um, this hope. And there were these hopes in my heart that I would be a certain kind of person, that I could, that I could do, I could serve the Lord, or I could be in a certain place in my life where um, I, could see, I could see the blessing of God. And, and yet this hope was there. And what helped and what really got me from point A to B was understanding what is faith. And faith is really a persuasion about who God is. If I can know God and if I can know his character, and if I can know his power and his promises, that he's never going to leave us and he's never going to forsake us. You know what's going to happen is that hope arises in our heart. Um, Tolkien, the writer of the, he was the creator of the whole Hobbit um, storybook line. And he said this about, uh, he said this about, um, about hope. He said, every person has a deep longing of fantasy fiction, at least depicted in a well-told story. He's just saying that like every one of us desire like an incredible, amazing, supernatural uh, life that is just not something that we're seeing in the, in the world today. And there's five things that I think every person has inside of them that when we discover who God is and we can trust who God is, we get to live all of these things out. Number one, step out of time. I think people want to, like, I don't want to live in time. You know, when we see or read a story about people stepping out of time or going back in time and changing the future and just not living in time or not living in this space-time environment, I think that that's something that we desire that's built inside of us hope. Number two, escaping death. I think when we see a good, we read a good story or see a good movie plot about, you know, the hero is going to die and then yet he escapes. He escapes. Or maybe he dies and then somehow like, you know, his, you know, there's someone in the movie that like brings him back, you know, like that you, you can't die. You, you, you can't, you've got, you got to wake up and then the hero wakes up and, and we're like, yay, the hero doesn't die. And I love, I love how movies like, and like, I hate when the movie ends and the hero dies. I mean, just, just my per, per thing, just, I don't know. I, you know, it's just sad. I, I don't know about you guys, but I like to see um, the hero escape death. And number three, love without parting. You know, you get to see like, like, okay, these two people are together. They live have, have happily ever after, this hope. Uh, number three, um, commune with supernatural, the supernatural beings. Like having like an angelic, factor in my life. You know, Wes and I were talking, or who we were talking about? We were talking with someone this week just about the miraculous things that God did, um, that, that we just knew that it was this angelic intervention. And it was just like God's, you know, you just knew that it was an angel. And yet every time the Lord has done that in our lives, my wife and I, it's always been something that like, you know, it's not as spectacular as you think it is. And it's just something very amazing right there in the, in the nick of time. And it's from the hand of God. And then number five, people desire to see good triumph over evil. These are the five things that are just built inside of us. And we see all of these things in the story of Christ. And we see all these things in the, in the, in the story of, of who Jesus is. The powerful message of the gospel and the finished work is not moral and ethical teachings of Jesus. That is not... The moral and ethical teachings of Jesus is not what transforms people's, what what transforms people. I understand this movement, what would Jesus do? Um, But I think it's really a better question to ask is what has Jesus done and how does that affect me today? Um, The powerful message of the gospel is hope. What Jesus has done and not only what he talked about. And what did he do? He died. He was buried and he rose from the dead. 
And I want to look at an example of someone who had no hope in the Gospels and now had hope. And I want to take a look at John chapter 20. Turn with me to John chapter 20. And we're going to look at verse 24 and 25 and then 26 through 28. I'm going to read these. Uh, I'm going to read these verses to you. And this is after the resurrection. And by the way, you know, the first 100 years of the church, the message that was preached almost every Sunday was that Jesus rose from the dead. That was the central, that was like the first, that was the message of the, the first 100 years. It is the center of the gospel that Jesus rose from the dead. That death, I mean, the worst that the world could give at him, like the, 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 the most worst thing that, could, that Jesus could experience, he experienced and he rose from the dead. And we read this here in verse 24 and 25. Now Thomas, one of the 12, who was called Didymus, and I like Thomas. You guys ever sometimes associate yourselves with Thomas? He's just a pragmatic guy. Like, if I don't see it, I don't believe it, right? And he says this. He was told Dimas, was not with them when Jesus came. Imagine this scene. Here's like, Jesus walks into the room, and there's this, he's risen from the dead. And hey, where's Thomas? And I think there's a, a lot of us have been like Thomas. We've been not there at the right time when God is moving. And, and, and Jesus shows up. And in verse 25, so the other disciples said to him, they go to Thomas and say, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see, and what does he talk about here? Unless I see what? In his hands, the mark of the nails. I want to see the signature of death in his life. I want to see what killed him. I want to see the, I want to see the mark. I want to see the indelible marks that are on, on him and put my finger into the nail, mark of the nails. Not only do I want to see it, I want to touch it. I want to put my finger in there. <laughs> you know, does that sound like us? I want to touch it. And put my hand into his side. And unless that happens, I will never believe. Never. I love that. Because, you know, you can throw as much unbelief and doubt at God. And he's always going to triumph over that. And how does he triumph? Well, we see how it happens here in verse 26. And after eight days, his disciples were again inside. Imagine that Thomas is here for one week thinking like that. You know, living in this unbelief. And he says... Um, and verse 26, and after eight days, his disciples were again inside and Thomas was with them. Although the, although the doors had been shut, Jesus came and stood in their midst and said, peace be to you. Peace to you. And then he said to Thomas, he turns to Thomas, right? And he says, place your finger here and see my hands and place your hand and put it into my side. And do not be unbelieving, but believing. So we see that Jesus heard his statement of unbelief. Like he knew it. God knew what Thomas said. And he was there, and this was a special visitation for Thomas. Thomas answered to him, what does he say? Here, let me get my finger in there. No. He see, and he says, Jesus answered, uh, Thomas answered and said to him, my Lord and my God. I love that. What is hope? It's a person. It's not an outcome. If there's, a, if there's one thing that we can remember from this message today, hope for me is not a certain outcome in my life. That I have this happen or that happen or this prayer gets answered or I get to do this or I get to do that. Hope is Christ. Because guess what? Your hopes and my hopes can get crushed. They can be crushed, and Jesus' hopes were crushed. Uh, his disciples' hopes were crushed when he was crucified. They're looking at Jesus, and they're like, they're thinking, I cannot believe what is going on right now. They are amazed. Like, Jesus is dying on the cross, and he talked about a kingdom, and now he's dying on the cross. He talked about miracles and angels and power over demons and power over death and Lazarus rises from the dead and, and like all these things are happening and yet here's Jesus dying on the cross and he's just unrecognizable and, this, and the hopes and the dreams and, 
And the three years that his disciples and all of these men and women that followed him were destroyed and they were, they were, just, they were just ruined. And they're standing at the cross and they're thinking, what is happening here? Hope, hope needs to be, like, like the bread that Jesus broke, it, 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 before there can be that resurrection, that powerful blessing and the answer, there needs to be brokenness. And guys, brokenness may be several years in your life. That may be a period, a short period or a long period where God's just breaking you. As a teenager, just thinking like, what is going on in my life? God's breaking me and breaking me and breaking me. And you know what happens? What happens here is that Jesus appears to Thomas. And here's, how, here's the three stages of hope that Thomas went through. Number one, he had this concept of the big dream. Like, okay, here's Jesus. We're following Jesus. He's bringing in the kingdom. We're going to be ruling by Jesus' side. What a big vision. And then the experience, number two, of the real, the big death the big death, the big crucifixion. And like somehow God has to break and crucify our natural concepts of what our hopes are because naturally we can't even perceive what God wants to do in our lives. It is so beyond us. It's so beyond our imagination. It's so beyond anything that we could ever do or ever think. It's something that is just so supernatural that God's like, I've got to break your natural concepts. I've got to break your natural understandings and I've got to break your imaginations. Sounds horrible, doesn't it? It sounds horrible. It's like telling my son, Caleb, you can't eat that, those gummy bears right now because we got something 10 times better in 15 minutes. And my son can only see the gummy bears and he can't see like this amazing dinner and, and dessert coming down the road. It's like we can't, we can only see in front of us a certain distance. And God's like, you know what? I got to break that. And when he breaks that through the big experience of the real in our life, the big death, the big crucifixion, um, then the miracle happens, the unimaginable deliverance. This is stage three of hope for Thomas. It's like the unimaginable deliverance. Here's Jesus standing in the room with the disciples that are so afraid of the Jews at this point. They're so guilty. They're like, I, we blew it. We, we, we denied Christ. And we were like, we were followers and everybody knew us and we did miracles and now we denied Christ and, and this guilt and shame that were in the room. And here's Jesus standing right there and he says, peace be unto you. The unimaginable happened. The hero rises from the dead. <laughs> I mean, the worst. I mean, our sin. And, and, and Peter cursed. Peter was like saying, I don't know the blankety blank man. I mean, we see all the disciples fleeing and, and all that sin and all that guilt are on them. And Jesus walks in the room and he says, peace be unto you. And that very word, the very person of Christ is a picture of the power and the unimaginable unimaginable miracle that happens called the resurrection. And Jesus is there and it's all good. It's all good. And we're going to eat together again. And, they, and what they do, they eat again. I, like, I love it. I love discipleship. A big part of discipleship is food. I'm just a big part of that. Food is great, you know. I love food. And I love, I love good food and I love bad food. I'm sorry. Um, and you know something? Like when the miracle happens, we're just like we're quickened. And when we're in utter defeat, when you and I are at the bottom, right? And I'm sure that all of us in this room can say this. When we are on the bottom, we're just like, okay, I'm, I'm done, you know. And then the Lord says, okay, I'm walking in. The resurrection is not only a future hope, but it's a present promise. I want to I look at this here uh, in Romans 15, verse 13. If you'll look at me with that, and I'm going to close with this. What does hope do for us daily? What does hope do for us daily? Romans 15, verse 13. You know, what, you know why our youth and our teenagers today have such a bad outlook and just overall? It's because there's so much technology and predictability in our culture that we can know so many things so quickly. 
and the adventure of discovering things that are unknown has been taken away. And I think that, I think that growing up as a young person, we can have a vision for our future. Because even though it looks really dark right now, and everything's being broken in, my, in our lives and in my life, there's going to be the unimaginable moment when Jesus steps in the room. And you're going to be like, you know what? Jesus appeared to me. He appeared to disciples. I wasn't ready. But now Jesus is coming to me and he's saying, I know what you said. I know your unbelief. And I'm here to show you. I'm here to show you a person. I'm showing up in person. And Romans 15, verse 13. And so it says this, that now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. I think that like one teenager in the Ukraine said this to me a year and a half ago. She's the daughter of one of our pastors, and she's, she's like 18, I think. And she said to me, she goes, because I want to change my country. I thought, wow, I want to change my country. Who talks like that, you know? Especially in Ukraine. The Ukraine is like, it just, I mean, you live there, and it's just, it's like so impossible. Like, just to do the simplest thing is just so impossible. It takes hours. And here's a young person. And, and somebody may say, as an adult, we may look at it and say, you know what? You're a naive. You don't know what you're talking about. You've been only on the earth for a few years. And it's like, but you know something? The Lord can put in a, in a young person's heart, the Lord can put in your heart in this room, a dream that is so impossible, that is so unreal, that is something that nobody is el- has, nobody else has been able to do. And the Lord says, you're going to be the person that does it. You're going to be the young lady that does it. You're going to be the young man that does it. Because, because I'm putting it in you. I'm giving you a hope. And, you know, I wanted to say, like, if you're, a, if you're a person here in this room, young people, older people, and we, we're living in fear and intimidation, don't do that. Just stop. Like, so, sometimes it's good just to not know what's happening in the world, not knowing what's happening on my phone, not knowing. It's like, you know, when we went on to the ranch, the McCoy's ranch out there, it was great because my phone was like, you know, I had like 30 seconds of connection maybe every few hours. And it was great. I just, you know, it was just it was wonderful, you know. I just think there's this, there's this moment where we don't need to know everything and we can just look at God and look at an amazing God that wants to change people's lives. Amen. God wants to change our lives. We, and here's number two is the number thing. The next thing is that when we understand who God is and how much he loves us, we say that to other people. And there's something in our life that we begin to believe that we didn't believe before. And when we talk to somebody else, they're like, you know what? I believe that person. I believe him. I believe their passion. I believe their vision. And and when, when God sends someone into your life that's speaking faith into your life, that's speaking truth into your life, speaking things that are just things that you've never thought about before, that is a gift from God. And that is a beautiful thing because the power of our religion is not behavior and, and moral philosophy. It's a, it's a transformed, changed life. And then I can get up in the morning and say, you know what, I'm not who I used to be. There's a song that we wanted to do this morning and it didn't work out. And I want to do it sometimes, but it's like, I love this song, and I've just been singing it. So I've been on Wes's in my truck this week, and he heard it play it over and over and over and over. It's like, I, you know, I know who I am. I belong to you. The devil cannot change who I am, and he cannot take what I have. And I just love that, just over and over, just living, listening to that song. Like, like the devil cannot change. Remember the three Hebrew boys? They were they, in, in Persia. They... They wanted, the Persians wanted to change their names to the names of their gods and wanted to even change their diet and wanted to change everything about them so that they would lose sight of who they were in Christ and who they were in God. 
And they said no. And their names didn't change. The, the world is always trying to change the way we look at hope and the way we look at things. Um, when we have hope, when we have a conviction by faith of the things that God has said in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, we have a character and we have a conviction about things we don't see yet in our lives. God puts hope, God puts dreams in, in, a, in, a, in a mother's life. God puts dreams there. God will put dreams in a young, in a young single girl that, that is from God, that, that, that the Lord will do himself. And, and, and you know what sin is? It's when I try to take, when I try to fulfill my own dreams that God has given me. I'm missing the mark. It's like God puts something in your heart. And somebody say, well, no, you're too ambitious. You're, you know, you're, it's just not going to work. You don't know how the world works. You know something? Take the word of God, get on our knees and just believe what it says. And when we do that, what will happen is, is that we can start acting it out step by step. Take steps. And so, number one, we just need to let go of the outcome. Let, let God take care of the outcome. We just do the things that we're supposed to do. You know what that is? Number one, just walk with God daily. Think with God. Receive the word of God. Rest in faith. Uh, be with the body of Christ. Hang out with it. We're fellowship junkies. We just love to get together and eat and fellowship. And that's just ever grace. That's just greater grace. That's just the way we are. And it's like get together, get built up. And, and when we do that, we're just saying, you know what? I'm trusting God for the outcome. I'm trusting, the, I'm trusting God for the outcome of ever grace, of the mission here. Trusting God, because if I am trying to make the outcome work out, it's always going to be so much less than what God wants to do. Amen. And then, and number two, learn endurance. And so that, so we do, we can do the hard and the holy things. We, we can do that because there's a hope. You know, I, we can have a discipline in our life because there's a hope. I mean, maybe one day when we're out there at somebody's door, we're going to meet the next, you know, the, you know, like a person of God that's just waiting, you know. We're going to meet people that are just praying for something like what God is doing here and do the hard things. And I'm going to close with this. Break the idols. Just break the idols because if we don't break the idols, they're going to break us. Break the idols. 2022, just break the idols. Just break them. Our American culture is so filled with idols. Just break them. In your families, talk about idols. Don't let idols come into your house. I think that if if I'm a dad and something's coming into my personal life, and nobody in my family knows about it, it's going to affect my kid. And it, it's just a spirit that I'm, let, I'm leaving, letting into my house. If I'm a mom or someone else, or you know, if, if I'm letting something into my house, and as a pastor, you know, if I'm letting something into my life, I'm preaching it myself here, then it's going to affect my whole church. And if even nobody knows about it, it's just going to, it's like the, it's going to be like, the, the, you know, there's going to be something that comes in the back door. And so let's break the idols. Let's do what Gideon did, who, had, who struggled with courage and struggled with, with believing God, and he just, he stood up, he, he, he confronted uh, the, the statue and the idols of Baal, and he, st- he made a statement, and guess what happened? The idol fell down in the, fe- in the presence of God. Just st- break the idols in your life, and don't let the devil steal from you and I the great things that he has, that God has for us in 2022. Amen? Amen. Father, so we thank you, Lord God, for the hope that we have in Christ Jesus. Lord.